The Old Testament reading this morning is from Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and just decrees that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be, be to, to God. God. A reading from Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one and we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Not such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. O oh Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. I invite you to rise as we sing, shout to the Lord. My comfort. 
breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing, power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the let us sing, power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have. gospel appointed for this Sunday is from the gospel of St. Luke, the 21st chapter. This will also serve as the basis for the sermon this morning. While some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, Jesus said, as for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked Jesus, teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And he said, See that you're not led astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time is at hand. But do not go after them. And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified. For these things must first take place, but the end will not be at hand. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. And you will be brought before kings and governors for my namesake. And this will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to... Meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You'll be delivered up even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and some of you will be put to death. You'll be hated 
by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let those who are inside the city depart, and let not those who are out in the country enter it, for these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, for there will be great distress upon the earth and wrath against this people. They will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And there will be signs and sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, Straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Well, on this day, as we celebrate Avery's baptism, we also turn our attention to Jesus' words in the gospel reading that I read to you only, only moments ago. Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 28. In 1984, an Avianca airline jet crashed. It crashed in Spain. Investigators studying the accident made an eerie discovery. The black box cockpit recorder revealed that several minutes before impact, a shrill computer-synthesized voice from the plane's automatic warning system told the crew repeatedly, pull up, pull up. The pilot thought that the system was malfunctioning, and he snapped, shut up, gringo and he switched the system off. And only minutes later, the plane plowed into the side of a mountain. Everyone on board was killed. The pilot had ample warning, ample warning to change the trajectory of his jet. But he did not heed the warning. And tragically, all the crew and the passengers on the plane paid the price with their lives. The second coming of Jesus Christ is near. Jesus says that there are some preemptive warnings alerting us to his imminent return. In the text that I read moments ago, we heard that he said that signs of the ends of times are these. There will be false prophets. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. We're going to see wickedness increase. We're going to see that the love that people have for one another will grow cold. We'll see that there's earthquakes and famines and pestilences. Christians will be betrayed and hated and imprisoned and even executed for their faith in Christ. And there are other signs, too, that Jesus talks about in other Gospels. 
But these and all the other signs put us on notice. They put us on notice that Jesus could return at any moment. They're like that shrill, computerized voice shouting, pull up, pull up. And failing to pull up. Failing to change the direction of our life. Failure to trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior results in a tragic conclusion to our life. And it results in a Christless eternity. Changing the direction of our life. That's what repentance is. Repentance means to turn around, to go the different direction. It means to pull up from disbelief to faith. To pull up from destruction to restoration. To pull up from death to life. And so when we see the signs, and those signs are all around us, aren't they? It's like God is shouting to us, pull up, repent, believe in Christ. As followers of Christ, these signs not only call us to live a life of repentance, but they also alert us to being vigilant. For example, they keep us They are to keep us watchful for false teachers. Jesus says in our text, See that you're not led astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Lord, or I am he, or the time is at hand. But do not go after them. And certainly we have many false teachers abounding today, don't we? As followers of Christ, rumors and wars, rumors of wars and wars, they're not to terrify us. Not at all. Jesus says in our text, when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must take place, but the end will not yet be at hand. And as followers of Christ, these signs that Jesus gives to us give us opportunity to bear witness to him, especially when we're persecuted for our faith in him. Jesus says to his disciples, This will be your opportunity. When you are being brought before kings and judges and others, this will be your opportunity to bear witness. And I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. Now, God forbid that any of us should ever be persecuted and martyred for the faith like the disciples were. But no doubt in our lifetime, we have the opportunity to talk and witness about Christ, don't we? And so when someone asks you, why are there so many wars and rumors of wars? Why are there so many false prophets and earthquakes and hurricanes and famines? And why is there the persecution of Christians going on in this world? We can remind them. We can be a witness of what Jesus has taught us. And we can remind them of Jesus' words. He says that these are all signs. These are all warnings so that we might wake up and believe in him as our Savior. So that we might pull up and change the course of our life, praying that the Holy Spirit would create faith in our heart so that we may believe that Jesus is our Redeemer. Now, it's grueling and it's exhausting to be a believer in these end times. I mean, it's exhausting because we must ever be on the alert for false teachers who claim to speak God's truth 
or philosophers or some ideology out there that is ever trying to pull us away from Christ. And these false prophets and these false philosophers and these false ideologies that are out there, they're just lying and they're deceiving us and trying to turn us away from Christ. And we grow tired and weary having to ward off these false teachers. It's tiring and exhausting to be a Christian in these end times because we're tempted to be seduced. To be seduced into a spiritual stupor by our affluence. We got so much money we don't know what to do with it in most cases. We've got so many possessions we have to rent places to store it. We've got recreation right at the tip of our fingers. We've got technological wonders. Casual sex abounds. And we are always tempted to fall, to fall away into those ways of life. And then it's tiring and exhausting to be a believer in these end times because we fight the demons. The demons of anxiety and pessimism and despair as we witness the dominance of ungodly values and practices that people make choices that are destructive to human life and they champion it. Jesus warns, watch yourselves lest your hearts be weighed down with debauchery and drunkenness and the cares of this life and that day may come upon you suddenly like a trap. Yes, it's exhausting, tiring to be a believer in the end times because we have an unsettled, we're unsettled in our mind and spirit by the devastating effects of disease and pestilence and famines and earthquakes and hurricanes that are coming upon the people of this world. I mean, we're even hesitant, aren't we? Maybe even a little fearful to post some of our beliefs on Facebook or to share them, to share our thoughts with our co-workers about what we believe as Christians, because we're afraid, aren't we, of being attacked, being attacked for our beliefs, for what we believe in. It's okay for everyone else to share their beliefs and their values, but if we share ours as Christians, we more often than not try to get, they try to cancel us, or they try to silence us, or they intimidate us into silence, so we're even afraid to post something as simple as a meme on a Facebook page. And it's just so easy for us to just go with the flow, to be quiet and say nothing. Because we know that once we do say something, oh yes, we will be ridiculed and we will be rejected. Even sometimes by our own family and friends. And I don't know about you, but I also find it very heartening, disheartening and exhausting and grueling to see so many people abandon the Christian faith, which is accelerating at a hectic pace here in this country. It's especially sad for me, and I'm sure for you too, when family and friends turn from the Lord. But what may be most exhausting and most heartbreaking is to watch all, so many people just ignore the signs failing to pull up, to change the course of their life, failing to rely on Christ as their Savior for salvation, and tragically resulting in their own 
eternal death and the death of others who are affected by their decisions. Jesus says to you and me, and it's a very serious message, he says, stay awake. Stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place so that you can stand before the Son of Man. Stay awake. Watch. Pray for strength. That's what we need as we live in these end times, people. To pray for the will and the wisdom of God to enable us to persevere over all the obstacles that we experience in our life. And the good news is that God gives us that strength. St. Paul writes in our epistle lesson, but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you, and he will protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are, that you are doing and will continue to do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. The Lord God is faithful. That we can take to the bank. And he promises to strengthen us and to, and to enable us to persevere as we ponder his love. And just ponder his love for a moment, if you will. In fact, ponder his love all day long, if you will, and all week long. But think of the love that God has for each and every one of us. A love so great that he sent his most treasured possession of all, his own son, his own dear son into this world to be our savior. A love so great that that his son was willing to suffer and die on the cross for us, willingly, so that we might be forgiven of all of our sins and be able to live with the Lord forever. A love so great that this God who created the heavens and the earth reaches down to each and every one of us in a very personal way in the waters of holy baptism. And he claims us as his own. And he says, you may call me your father. Just as he did this morning. A love so great that we witnessed this morning that this God, this creator of the heavens and the earth, reached down and he said, Avery, you are mine. He knows her by name. And not only does he know her by name, but he knows everything about her. And he loves her. And he has promised to be her father. He's promised to forgive her of her sins. He's promised to give her everlasting life. And this is a promise that he's made not just to her, but to us. When we were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit too. And so as we go through this life and we find that things are so wearying and tiring, we can ponder his love, the love that he has for us, and recognize that this God who loves us is always our God. He is always with us. He has promised he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He journeys with us. But St. Paul also says that not only are we to ponder the love of God, but we are to ponder in our hearts Christ's perseverance. Can you think of someone who was hated more than Christ, or who has been hated more than Christ, not only in this time here on earth, but through all of history, really? I mean, Christ was hated, wasn't he? He was rejected by his own generation. And he was ultimately crucified on the cross because people hated him. And they hated that he claimed that he was God, both true God and true man. They hated the fact that he said that he was the savior of the world, the light of the world, the living water of the world. They hated all of that. And yet Jesus, out of his love for you and me, persevered through all of that hatred. He persevered through all of the attacks that Satan brought upon him. And he went the way of the cross. 
and he died. He died for your sin and mine. And as a result, our sins are forgiven. He is truly our Savior. You know, the word Savior is, is one of the most used titles of Jesus. But Savior was also a very common word that was used in the ancient world. I mean, if you ever have read about the Greek god Zeus, Zeus was known as a Savior. Asclepius was also known as a Savior. The Caesar who followed right after Nero claimed that he was a savior too. In fact, even on a coin, he said the salvation of the human race was right above his head. I'm the salvation of the human race. And you know, there may be quote-unquote saviors, and we're always looking for saviors to help us, aren't we? We're looking for saviors to help deliver our country from economic depression. We're looking for saviors to, to help us overcome any bondage that we might have to our political enemies. But the only true savior of the world is Jesus Christ. For he is the one and the only one who has endured the wrath of his Father for your sin and mine. And as a result, you and I live day by day knowing that we are the Lord's. We live day by day knowing that not even death itself can separate us from him because we know that not only did Jesus die on the cross, but he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead triumphantly and he has promised everlasting life to everyone who believes in him. And he has promised that he is going to come again. And he's going to come again in glory. And when he does, it is going to be the most glorious day in human history. And so as we go through this life, as weary and as tiring as it can be, we live with the anticipation and the excitement that Jesus, our triumphant Redeemer, is returning. Our redemption is near. It's nearer today than it was yesterday. Jesus says, he says, and, when, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with glory and great power. And now when all of these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And oh, what a glorious day it will be. Our bodies will be resurrected from the dead. And our bodies will be joined with our souls that are already in glory. We'll be gathered together in the sky. And the old order of things will have passed away. There will be no more cause for weeping. There will be no more wars. There will be no sickness. There will be no more dying. That will all be gone. And probably best of all, we'll get to see Jesus face to face. And we'll get to hear Jesus say, welcome, my friend. I died for you. Come and receive the eternal kingdom that I prepared for you. And as St. Paul puts it this way, I love these words, because they're filled with so much hope and anticipation, excitement. He says, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him all those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are left 
who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, and listen to these words, and so we will always be with the Lord. And then Paul says, encourage one another with these words. Indeed, I encourage you with these words. When Christ returns, we will always be with the Lord. That changes the way that we live life here on earth, even when we're tired and weary. Ray Backey tells the story about an old Glasgow professor named MacDonald, who along with his Scottish chaplain had bailed out of an airplane behind German lines. They were put into a prison camp and there was a high wire fence that separated the Americans from the British. And the Germans made it near impossible for these two sides to communicate with one another. But MacDonald was put into the American barricades and the chaplain was housed among the Brits. And every day these two men would meet at the fence and they would exchange a greeting. Unknown to the guards, the Americans had a little homemade radio and were able to get news from the outside, something more precious than food in that camp. And every day, MacDonald would take a headline or two to the fence and he would share it with the chaplain in the ancient Gaelic language, which was undecipherable or indecipherable to the Germans. Well, one day, news came over the radio that the German high command had surrendered and the war was over. And MacDonald told the news to his friend, his chaplain friend, and his chaplain friend returned to the barracks and a moment later, a roar of celebration came from the British barracks. Life in the camp was transformed. Prisoners walked around singing and shouting, waving at the guards, and even laughing at the dogs. And when the German guards finally heard the news three nights later, they fled into the dark, leaving the gates unlocked. And the next morning, the Brits and the Americans walked out as free men. Yet, if you think about it, they had already been truly set free three days earlier by the news that the war was over. Friends, we may, and we do, live in a life that kind of feels like it's fenced in at times, doesn't it? We often feel like we're prisoners in our own world. And in this world, we may endure, and we will endure, the taunts and the ridicule of others for our Christian faith. The people are also trapped inside the fence. While we live within this prison or this world, we may have to ward off false prophets and bear, and, and bear with wars and rumors of wars. We may experience famines and earthquakes and, and pestilence. We might experience and see apostasy around. We may see an increase of wickedness. We might even experience sickness and death itself. But we do so. We do so with a confident bounce to our step. We do so with hymns and songs of praise on our lips. We do so with joy in our heart. We do so with a message to proclaim to others who are in that prison with us. And why? How can we live such lives? Well, it's because we know that we are loved by God. We know that our Savior has liberated us. He has already liberated us from the tyranny of Satan and sin and death. We know that the victory over the devil and death is already won. 
And we have Jesus' promise that he who endures to the end will be saved. And through Christ, our graves will give way to our resurrected bodies, which will be united with our souls, and the gates of the new heaven and the new earth will be flung open for us to enter. That's our hope. That's a fact. And how can we be so sure that that is a fact? Well, because Jesus, our Savior, promises. He says, heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never pass away. All the signs point to the fact that Jesus is going to return as our triumphant king, as our conquering king. The Son of Man, he says, is coming again with power and great glory. So in anticipation of our Lord's victorious return, do not lose heart. Do not be overwhelmed by what goes on in this world, no. But instead, live life. Live life standing firm in the gospel. Live life victoriously because we are victorious over all things through Christ. Live life so that you can share this liberating news with others so that they too might be liberated from their sin and from death. And live life, live every day of your life trusting Jesus' unwavering promise that he who is faithful unto death will receive the crown of everlasting life. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.